Tested Podcast, the podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things motocentric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. How's it going? Thank you for downloading this episode, and thank you for joining me. This is the Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast. Presented by FXR Racing and Racetech. How the hell are you guys doing on this new week? Hopefully well. Guess what? RockyMountAtvMC.com is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, ATVs, or street bikes. Low prices, unparalleled customer service, and free three-day shipping over 75 bones. It's easy to see why you guys should be shopping over there. But first, please, if you can, I would appreciate it to go on KieferIncTesting.com. Click on that RMATVMC banner on my homepage, and that'll direct you back to the Rocky Mountain guys, and you can continue to do your shopping, continue to live your life, and that gives us a snippet of what you guys are purchasing and really helps us out here over on this show. Let's them know that you like this show, that you listen, that you understand that it's worth it for them to sponsor this show. So thank you for the people over there that have been doing that and supporting that. I really appreciate it. So go visit those guys over at RockyMountAtvMC.com. And, of course, FXRRacing.com. Saw a lot of you guys wearing FXR uh, over the weekend at the WUSA World Vet Championships and a lot of Kiefer Ink gear, which is very cool to see. Uh, go visit those guys on the website, FXRRacing.com. Use the code KKMX35. And uh, save yourself some money on a set of helium gear like I wore over the weekend or Revo. Very nice motocross apparel. Those are back in stock. Uh, I know we've been having a little bit of trouble to get that stuff in stock as well as everybody else out there. But slowly but surely, we're trying to return to normal stocking uh, over there at FXR Racing. And uh, we'll get you guys some gear and get you down the road or the track in a badass, cool-looking manner. Uh, it's great stuff, so uh, yeah, I was suggesting. And if you are a woman racer and uh, you would want a different discount code, I do have one of those. Just simply hit me up, Chris, at KeyForInkTesting.com, and I'll give you the special woman discount code that is better than the guy discount code. So don't email me, dudes, and say, I have a chick, blah, 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 blah. No. I don't have your wife. Email me your discount code. I want to see a photo of you riding, racing, or whatever, and I'll give you a special discount code, and I want to see you women out there wearing FXR racing gear. Race Tech, uh, a lot of you guys at, the, at Glen Helen running Race Tech Gold Valve Systems, and you needed it because that was a rough son of a bitch over the weekend. Lots of square edge and curbs at Glen Helen. The Glen bit a lot of people over the weekend. But if you're running Race Tech suspension, your chances are very, very high that you will return home in a safe manner. So go visit those guys at Racetech.com. Get yourself some gold valves. Get some engine services. Get a Vortex ECU. Uh, whatever it is, these guys can help you out for a more comfortable ride, a quicker ride, and uh, make you smile a little bit more under the helmet. So go visit them at Racetech.com. You want a discount code? Uh, you can email me or sales at Racetech.com. Mention Kiefer, and that'll get you a sales 
discount on anything Race Tech sells. And last but not least, Robert Kong, you want to <laughs> you want an MRI cuz uh there's some guys that needed some after uh Saturday and Sunday's race. 909-433-0575. Um you can uh, call over there, say you listen to the Kiefer Tested Podcast. They'll get you a discount code on the MRI. They do take insurance, but Robert can get you in and out of there. No hassle. He rides dirt bikes, and it's just nice to have a place to go to get your imaging done that uh, is quick, efficient, and the guy who runs the place is a dirt bike dude, so it's very cool over there. All right, that's my reads. Four minutes. I've been getting shit for my eight-minute reads. Uh, these sponsors support the show. I Really appreciate if you guys would support them, and uh, that helps us out a lot and shows them that you uh, support this show. So thank you guys for doing that. All right, this week, you know we're going to talk about World Vet Weekend. Uh, this we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna break down everything that happened at the Glen Helen Raceway facility. Uh, John Anderson, Kristen Anderson are supporting this World Vet habit that all of us have. They've been doing this. Uh, they've been. Uh, actually presenting and sponsoring this race for quite a few years now. Uh, great people over there at WUSA. If you guys want to get some wheels, no, W is not a sponsor of mine, but uh, it's one of the few, very few, maybe two sets of wheels uh, companies that I would actually trust out there on my bike. So uh, John and Kristen Anderson run a, a great a great company. Um, the, the elder statesman, I like to say, the guy over there that uh, Tom White, is uh, Kristen's daughter and married John. Uh, Tom owned White Brothers back in the day. A uh, very nice guy. I always remember Tom coming up to me and talking to me. He knew my name, uh, and he didn't know me from Adam, but he always would call me by my name Chris. He would remember me, and I thought just it was cool. And uh, that leaked into um, his daughter. Kristen's a very nice lady. And, of course, John, if you guys have met John, he's a good dude. And uh, they ran a great race. They did what they could. There was some snafus at Glen Helen. I'm sure if you listen to Pulp MX Show, we'll get into that more. But I wanted to kind of do something a little bit different than Steve does. I want to talk about the event itself. Uh, we'll talk about some incidents that happened, what I think they can do to make a better race for next year. Uh, we'll talk about my race bike, uh, what uh, involved, what was involved in my race setup for Glen Helen, because obviously you guys know I go there a lot to test. And... Uh, Basically, just go over the whole event, what happened, and some of the fun times that we had over the weekend. Because let's let's really boil this thing down. After all, after all is said and done, when you guys go racing, you guys are traveling to any race, just not just not this one. Uh, what you guys can look back on is the time that you spent with your family and friends, uh, everything that you guys shared, uh, laughs, even maybe some injuries that we had here. I had Michael Willard. If you guys are familiar with Michael Willard, he did a um, a pulp. I guess not. Oh, it's a Racer X podcast. Excuse me, Racer X podcast with Steve uh, last weekend. You guys can go re uh, listen to that. And Michael was a two-time Canadian champion, very one, a very good dude, one of my best friends back in the day. And he went through some hard times, so he was here this weekend and he raced in and the very last moto of the Thirty Pro class on Sunday, swapped out, broke his collarbone. And, uh, yeah, shit happens sometimes in motocross, right? So um, I look back on having the family and the group of people that we had at the house. That's what I'm going to remember five, six years down the road. I'm not going to remember winning a, a, a championship in the 40-year-old class, which is nice. But uh, spending time with the people that you love and care for, that's the stuff that you remember. So I saw a lot of that over the weekend, and it made me smile. So it was really cool to have uh, a huge turnout at Glen Helen, which I saw. I don't know exactly the, the entries that we had, but I guess it was well over 900, and I could be well over that as well. But compared to last year with the shitty weather, the COVID, uh, man, this year had, I would say, it double than what it had last year. So it was good to see everybody out enjoying themselves, getting out and riding their dirt bikes. All right, so let's talk about this whole, uh, <laughs> this whole event here. So my whole thing every year is to... Uh, try to go to Loretta's now that my kid's involved in it, and then the World Vet Championships. Those are my two goals every year. I talk about goals every so often on the show. I'm a very goal-driven person. If I don't have a goal or something or a carrot out there to, to chase or train for, I'm a lost soul. I need something, at least now in my life, and I'm 45 years old, I need something to wake me up in the morning, to drive me, to make me tick. 
Now, with saying that, my family obviously comes first. I love being around them. I love doing stuff with them. I love helping Aiden out and trying to obtain his goals. But I haven't lost some of that fire, that competitiveness, and the that goal-driven orientation that I was uh, that was instilled in me back in the you know early two thousands. So I still have some of that. So I try to uh, surround my goals, or at least combine my goals with Aiden so we can go do stuff together. Obviously, the vet championship, he's not 30 years old, uh, and that is something that I'm selfish with and I try to do on my own. So this race is on my calendar almost every year. I say uh, this year might be my last year to be fully engulfed and train and think about this race. Uh, I might switch my focus in 2022 just on my business more, testing, uh, Racer X, Pulp Duties, and then really focusing on Aiden and what he wants to do. Uh, it's it's been a it's been a struggle for me lately after the knee injury, and the knee injury wasn't not even a big a deal. It's just I think over time with how much I ride and test the grind, and I've been doing it a long fucking time. It's just starting to wear on me a little bit as far as like having some downtime. Uh, if you think about it, and you guys can go to keyforingtesting.com, I wrote an article about what it's like to be a test rider, what it takes, um, some falsehoods that you guys uh, may not know about or think you think that you know, and it's false. But uh, that article is over on keyforingtesting.com. But it just, it's kind of wearing me down a little bit. I'm 45 years old, and writing has become a little less fun the past few months, and I don't want that to... Uh, gain traction i want to still love riding like i always have and maybe stepping back a little bit from a couple of these goals that i have and really focusing on some different avenues will help me uh rekindle my deep love that i have for dirt bikes dirt bikes have been a staple and and i'm going to tell you guys some stories here so I always tell Aiden and Heather, this this dirt bike thing that I have inside of me has been inside of me for several years. And I guess when you get older, you can reflect and understand it more. But once you're a young, you're a young kid, all you know is this, I love riding dirt bikes. I love riding dirt bikes. Uh, a couple things that I look back on now that I'm older that I said to my parents really, really hits home because it tells me how much I really loved dirt bikes back in the day. I remember one of my good friends, he had a bad crash and he passed away. And and I think I was maybe Aiden's age. I was 15 years old. And there was a couple racers in that family of my friends that uh, they raced together. The family always went to several different uh, big amateur nationals. And one of my buddies ended up passing away, passing away for some injuries. And the other brother uh, still wanted to go race even after the fact that his brother passed away. And uh, the parents decide, no, we're pulling the plug. And, and he just, you know, got, got pulled the plug and he couldn't race anymore. So what that did to his life, it screwed up his life and he went down the wrong path, went down the wrong road, got into drugs and ended up fucking his life up more down in his 20s than it did if his parents would have let him race and maybe that would have kept him out of trouble. So I remember specifically having a conversation with my parents because my dad was thinking about pulling the plug on me because of how close this tragedy was to home. And I remember specifically crying and and telling my dad, please don't take away my dirt bikes. It's the only thing I love. And now that I look back on it, it's crazy that that love has burned for so long, right? So it's burned 30 years. If I was 15, I'm 45 now. It's 30 years. And I don't think anything, even my wife, I've never loved something for so long. Dirt bikes has always kept me out of trouble from, in the high desert. And there's a shit ton of trouble up here in the high desert. I wanted to wake up and ride my dirt bike. That's all I cared about. I remember ditching school to go ride my dirt bike. Just dumb shit I used to do back in the day. Like everything surrounded dirt bikes. Um, I graduated early from high school because I was ditching so much school because I was going to races uh, or I was just simply I just wanted to ride, stay home because it was raining and I was failing out of school. So my mom's like, hey, man, like you have to do good in school or we're going to take your bikes away. So I went to like an independent study, worked my ass off, graduated early just so I can start my life and try to figure out which way I wanted to go with this dirt bike thing. So I see 
this vet national race, and this is the whole reason for the story, so it's a little long-winded, but this vet national race, see all these guys that love to ride dirt bikes, they bring their families, they bring their kids, they're riding around on pit bikes, and man, it just drives it home how cool our sport is and how core and and how close-knitted our, our sport and family really is. When, when things go bad, uh, our industry picks it up. We try to pick up those people. Uh, for for example, Waverly near in near Loretta Lynn's in Tennessee, big tragedy. Our sport tries to uplift that community, and uh, I can't think of a lot of other sports that do that in in this day and age. Yes, there's huge sports like NFL, MLB that that do a lot of different things, and NBA. But like to the extent of our sport is a small little little cookie compared to that, right? And we do a shit ton for a lot of different people slash communities. So I just think it's really cool. And I see this now as I get older when I go to these races. So um, that's one thing that I wanted to relay to you guys is like how important it is to spend time with your families and show them what you love and, and pass that down onto your children because that right there is something that they'll remember. Even if they don't do this sport, they'll remember the times that they spend with their families at these big races. And I hope Aiden remembers all of this stuff. Uh, when he grows up and has a family of his own. So um, even though there's some shit shows going on within our event, and there was a lot of fucking craziness in this World Vet Championship this year, uh, I just think we got to look at some of the positives that come away from these type of events, these one-off things that that allow people to drive from different countries, Canada, Mexico, and then fly over from different countries. Um, I met a lot of different people, and it, it was cool. So this World Cup um, does nations things that we had, even though I race for team Guam. Um, I don't come from Guam. Sean Lepanovich, the guy who asked me to do this comes from Guam, but uh, I met a lot of different people doing this race. So it's just cool. So I just wanted to tell that story. Um, I'm really big on backstories and things like that. So I thought you guys would, would enjoy that. Uh, all right. So I rode 40 pro on Saturday. I was planning wasn't planning. I was thinking about racing 30 Pro on Sunday, but I have two days of Glen Helen testing this week. So riding Glen Helen or racing Glen Helen two days in a row and then going back there the next week is not appetizing for me. So what I decided to do is race 40 Pro, really concentrate on that, and then race this World Cup with Sean Lepanovich and Doug Dubach, which I got asked to do like a couple weeks before the event, and I said yes just because... Sean needed a rider, and of course, Doug is a longtime friend and a mentor to me, so I wanted to be a part of that. That's something I could look back on and thought it would be very cool for me. So that was the the whole outlook for me, is to try to win 40 Pro and then help out this Team Guam to uh, repeat as champions. I guess they won last year as well. So, uh, But first things first, I guess. I guess... Uh, Ryan Lockhart and Steve Mathis came out on Friday morning, and uh, they went out and rode practice on Friday. And I've heard from several different people that a man passed away on Friday at Glen Helen while practicing, which uh, which sucks really bad because last year when Aiden and I was doing some practice on Thursday, a gentleman from Northern California passed away as well. Uh, it seems like this kind of stuff is happening a little bit more and more. So if I can, uh, if you guys are listening and you guys are thinking about skimping out on some safety equipment do not do that i don't know for a fact and if this is true but i've heard from other sources and some of the medical people that were there on friday that the gentleman wasn't wearing a chest protector and it, and it crushed his insides enough to uh um to hurt him bad enough to uh where he passed away at the hospital so you guys are wondering if you guys should wear a chest protector yes you should uh, you need some kind of protection in the front and back. Uh, MXGP guys, FIM, makes them wear that. I think as we get older, we need to dress for the crash and not the ride as much. I remember wearing, not wearing a chest protector when I was younger. Uh, I've talked about this on my website. I may not set a great example for my kid, but I make him wear a chest protector. I know sometimes I don't when I, when I uh, test. I need to do that as well because you never know when shit can happen. And just like this, uh, shit can happen. And uh, things could get taken away from you real quick. So dress for the crash, not the ride, guys. We're getting older. We're not as bend. We don't bend as uh, good as we used to when we we're in our 20s. 
Um, so make sure you have a good chest protector that uh, you wear over your jersey or under your jersey. I wear an Alpine Star A1 uh, chest pro. Well, it's it's like a roost protection, but it has enough plastic to keep me protected from a handlebar going into my sternum or chest, and it has enough uh, protection from the back from you know landing on my back. Just gives me enough to uh, protect me a little bit, but also not make me so bulky and tight that I don't like to ride with it. So that's what I use Alpine Stars A1. Also for me, Fox Race Frame has a great under protector. I like that a lot. So uh, if you guys are looking for one of those, that one's a little bit uh, in the summertime. In the summer months, it's a little bit hotter than the Alpine Star A1, but the race frame is very comfortable. It uses the biofoam back part that I really like as well. But that's also the hot part of the whole chest protection. So um, if you guys are living in a cooler temperature or climate, that is a great uh, under protector to use. So Steve and Noof came down. Noof came down from uh, Canada to race. 35 and 30 expert. I still think he should have rode 30 pro because I think he's good enough to uh, ride that class. But nonetheless, he you know obviously doesn't ride as much as he used to, and he wanted to be safe, and so he rode 35 and 30. Steve was uh, up for one class. I sh- I told him he should ride two, but he was racing the 45B. And also, I told you guys about Michael Willard. Him and his lovely girlfriend came down. Uh, to race as well. So Willard on Saturday rode 30 and 35 expert. Uh, He won both of those classes, and then he was racing 30 pro on Sunday. And uh, Willard ended up breaking his collarbone the last moto on Sunday. He went uh, 5 DNF. So he was in a podium position for a long time, and uh, there was a red flag, which we'll we'll discuss that, that in a minute. Um, and then he got a staggered start, and then he got pushed back to five just because he got arm pumped. But it's cool to see Michael Willard racing again. Uh, I remember doing a lot of things with him during the KTM Canada days. Andy White put me and him together a lot in our hotel room, and we became great friends. Uh, fell on some hard times, got into some uh, bad shit. Obviously, being a motocrosser, being injured, you get hooked on some dumb shit. And he was, but he came out the other side. You can listen to that podcast over on Racer X, so that's a very good podcast. But... Good to have him back out clean and racing. Oh, he rode the, my KTM 450 SXF, which he owns one back in Ohio where he's from. So all of that came around on Friday. I had a house full of people. Saturday came on board. And, of course, you know I woke up everybody with Van Halen dreams. That's right. Let's go. Van Halen dreams. Getting everybody pumped up at 5 a.m. It's not something Steve loves. But if you're going to be, you know, Woke up at 5 a.m. I know he would love to have Sammy in the background. So that's what I woke him up to. <laughs> he still wasn't pumped. And if you don't know Steve, Steve loves coffee. And he's not the greatest human to be around before he drinks his coffee. He's got to get some coffee in him, and then he's pretty mellow. But before that, he's a little bit of a bitch when it comes to uh, getting up in the morning and popping up and being chipper. That's not Steve's strong point. He needs a little bit of juice, a little bit of coffee juice in him before he does that. So uh, went down there. Man, it's dark as shit before daylight savings time for us here in California. Uh, it ends. So uh, 7 a.m. when practice comes at Glen Helen, it's still kind of dark. And uh, we did all that and got through that. That's a little bit sketchy in the morning. Uh, but nonetheless, 40 Pro came, and I was getting dressed to uh, get ready to go out and practice. Guess who pulls up? Travis Preston, my longtime buddy. Uh, Travis decided to not tell me he was racing. Uh, he decided, I'm just going to surprise Chris, I think because uh, obviously he wanted he wanted to race, which I think is really cool, but he wanted to fuck with me a little bit, I feel like. Like, hey, I'm here now, and now you're screwed. Now you're not going to win. I'm going to beat your ass and show you what I'm made of even though I don't ride a lot anymore. He tests a lot, but he, the quality of riding, I think, and training is is not very much, right? So I was like, oh, fuck. And I know Travis well enough how, how well he rides. Every time we practice or ride, he's always just a little bit better than me. Uh, his mental outlook always has been better than mine. I've been a little bit of a basket case over the years. Obviously, he's a he's proven rider, champion, made a great name for himself. So I was like, fuck, man. I do not know if I'll be able to uh, retain my 40 title having Travis around. So as happy as I was to see him, I was kind of like, 
shit. Now I'm going to have to really bust my ass. Uh, so we, we got done with practice. We were fourth moto. 40 pro moto was the fourth moto. And surprisingly enough, man, I can't believe how rough Glen Helen got with the amount of riders that were there. By the fourth moto of the first set of motos, it was already pretty damn rough. Uh, I managed to get like a fourth place start. There was a gentleman, and I don't know his name, excuse me, uh, a test rider from KTM that is from Austria was there. KTM brought him out to race. Uh, Mark Tilly from Dirt Bike Magazine. Uh, there was Travis Preston, obviously. And uh, there's a you know a lot of different 40 pro riders that were pretty decent, and uh, I was in fourth for a little bit. I knew I had to kind of get around um, Mark Tilly to to try to see what's going on. You see where Travis and Travis got around the KTM test guy early, so I was like, shit, I better go. Travis pulled a little bit of a gap. Uh, the KTM test guy was a little bit of a nightmare to get by, but I managed to do that here pretty pretty quickly. And then I set my sight on Travis, being with Travis a lot. And riding with him, I kind of know where he's good and know where he's not good. So I tried to charge up to him and watch some of his lines, and I knew I had some better lines. So I made my move where I thought I was a little bit faster because I know there's not a lot of passing opportunities at Glen Helen when it was, you know, kind of hard pack. And the the track crew over there, they don't rip it very deep on Vet Weekend. They want it smoother because of the Vet guys, right? So, but what with that being said and not really ripping it that deep, it just gets choppy everywhere. So bumps start coming down the hill, like almost at the top of the hill because these guys are breaking early. So uh, there wasn't that many inside ruts or different lines in these corners. There's like maybe one or two, and they're all pretty much the same. So it was hard to make a move. So... I found out where to make a move. After mini Talladega, there was a couple little S sections, and there was some fluff on the outside. So I ripped those outsides really quick to try to get up next to him. And when I got up next to him, I know he was going to try to go around me on the outside because I had the inside line for another corner. But then the old bag of tricks came out, and I went straight into that outside line and blocked him to make sure he wasn't going to pass me. And then uh, tried to lay out some laps, but I didn't lay them down quite as good as I thought I I was going to. I got arm pump, made a couple mistakes, and he was on my ass. Luckily, Travis had arm pump as well. So we were very close to the finish. He was uh, right on my ass and went one-two. And I knew when Grant Langston, he was there and doing the interviews, which I thought was also very cool that they brought him and Kevin Kelly in to do the interviews and some announcing. I told Grant, like, oh, shit, I better get it ready because I know he's fired up and pissed off. And he was, man. He didn't talk very much between motos. Travis still has that competitive desire in him when we go mountain biking. He's he's a tough son of a bitch. He's mentally put together. Obviously, he's in shape. You know, you, if, if you follow Travis on Instagram, you've seen him with his shirt off. That's his M.O. He's ripped. He's crossfitted up. Like, he's in shape. But I just don't think he's in riding shape like me. Like, if you look at my body type and Travis's body type, two different body types. Travis is ripped, shredded. I'm a little smoother, uh, not as ripped. And uh, just a little bit more of a dick and ribs type of a guy versus Travis where he's uh, shredded up and has more muscular, has, has, a big, has a big muscular belly than me. So Sekimoto, he was uh, switching bikes. He had some test parts on another bike. He's like, I'm going back to a stock bike. And uh, the second moto, super weird, man. So they had a 30-second card girl for the pro moto, right? And whatever reason, the gate guy just fucking forgot about hey i forgot i had a 30 second card girl like just spaced it the gate guy is walking up to the doghouse right you know as they do like point to everybody down the line they start walking up to the doghouse with well, the 30 second card girl has the card she just put it up right like just put it up because usually they put it sideways and it drops within five seconds well the girl just put the card up and the fucking gate guy just drops the gate and I'm thinking, and I actually laughed inside of my helmet in the second moto because I thought we were getting a prey lap. I'm like, oh, shit, we're getting a prey lap. And then I look around, I see these guys ripping that down the straightaway, and they're almost to Talladega, almost at the first corner. I'm like, oh, fuck, man, this guy dropped the gate. So I took off, pissed. I go, this is how my moto's going to go. This is how I'm going to get beat this way. So I'm thinking, the whole first lap, I'm hauling my ass. I'm like, I got to catch. I'm thinking Travis is up front. I am fucked. 
comes to find out, Travis was worse off than I was, and he was uh, I was second to last, and he was last. So I'm busting my ass through the through the traffic, and thinking, okay, uh, when I got up near the front, which I mer- I I don't know how I don't know how I did it, but I just went into a zone, and just was shredding that first moto, thinking, oh God, man, this is how I'm gonna lose this race because of this fucking gate, and then halfway through the first lap, I'm thinking, well, they might red flag this thing, right? Because that was a complete disaster. Well, there was no red flag, so then I was like, well, I'm laying down. We had a 20-minute moto. I'm laying down five laps as fast as I can go. If I red line and pop, then I pop, but I want to see where I'm at. I know Travis will be in second, and we'll see the gap. Uh, I end up laying down four good laps. Found I had really good lines thanks to racing the, the cup race, which we'll talk about that World Cup race. So I had some good lines. Travis didn't, wasn't out at the track. He didn't see the track since the first moto, so I knew I had an advantage there. Uh, but I was a little bit worried about being in shape enough to hang on to hold Travis off for, you know, 20 minutes. Uh, those four laps went by. I saw that I had a gap. I can manage that. I can I-race. You guys are familiar with that. If you guys know if you have a gap or when you guys go to practice tracks, you I-race other guys, and uh, you can turn it up tone it down, whatever you need to do. So I managed to do that and won the second moto. So going 1-1 for me was a huge accomplishment. I was very, very relieved to to beat Travis because I know Travis is a a tough son of a bitch. He's one of my best friends. He's a good dude. And, uh, uh, yeah, I was was stoked. And to have Travis be there to get second, to share that with him on the podium was very cool for me. We both grew up in the high desert. Uh, We, you know very close to each other we have the same mutual friends so again just one of those moments that you're going to remember for the rest of your life having your buddy on a podium at a big event and it was very cool to see uh but within that second moto this is what i wanted to talk about it was carnage track was uh pretty beat up uh there was caution flags people running all over within that moto i came off of a you know they the Glen helen course went in the back section like climbed back up in the canyon some dude swapped out. I almost landed on his bike. Uh, came around the next lap. There was a caution flag over this before the mini Talladega corner where there was a triple. Some guy OJ'd the shit out of it, which was easy to do because you're coming down this hill Mach 10, and then you got these braking bumps before this triple. So he OJ'd it, grenaded himself. I almost landed on the bike. I almost landed on people running across the track. Uh, by that time, the ambulance is circling the inner part of the track well i came over there's a staircase area where they go up three little staircases over by the mini talladega uh, section and the ambulance decided to cross the track right in front of me and i'm thinking holy fuck man i almost just t-boned an ambulance and it, it just seems like it's chaos like there's no organization within the moto uh or the ambulance driver doesn't know when to fucking go across the track or not like it was like I'm going 50 miles an hour down the straightaway, and the son of a bitch decides to cross the track. <laughs> like, I don't know what was going on. That whole moto was crazy. Ended up uh, surviving and winning that moto. So, uh, very fun event. Uh, a little bit risky at times, but nonetheless, happy that I got to retain the 40 Pro Championship. Uh, it's hard to say that sometimes when you say 40 years old. I'm like, fuck, man, I'm that old. It's it's crazy to think about. And I look in the mirror, and I'm like, I am getting old, man. I got wrinkles, and I'm still ugly. Uh, ugly has been with me for several years, but now I'm old and ugly. So it's like, God dang. Uh, it's crazy to think about. I remember training with Terry Fowler, if you guys remember that. Terry Fowler was an old vet guy, and I was a young teenager, and I would train with him, and he always trained hard two to three months before the vet nationals, and I laugh and think about that now. It's like, man, I'm just kind of like an old Terry Fowler or a Doug Dubach where I train for these vet nationals and try to win these titles. So uh, it's funny how all the life comes about and you think about these things. But getting older. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to this special WUSA World Vet Championship show. We'll be right back. Listen to these commercials. Save yourself some money. 
All-American Chevrolet in Killeen, Texas, is a proud supporter of Keeper Inc. and invites everyone to experience the difference for all of your Chevy sales and service needs. Mention Keeper Inc. and get 50% off your next oil change and a front end alignment at no charge. Remember, whether you're hauling your bikes to the weekend track, trail, or race, or commuting to the job that pays for your moto habit, we have the truck to get you there in style. Visit us online anytime at ChevyColleen.com. That's All-American Chevrolet of Killeen. Chevy, find new roads. ScreenPrintingDone.com T-shirts! Get your sassy T-shirts! Yeah! Good morning. We didn't catch your name last night. ScreenPrintingDone.com I'm not supposed to be within 200 feet of a Chuck E. Cheese. I need that shirt. Where'd you get that shirt? ScreenPrintingDone.com Let's get into this T-shirt. It's a cute top. Where'd you get that shirt? ScreenPrintingDone.com That does sound awesome. I see things no one should ever see. I got a pretty dumb sense of humor, bro. ScreenPrintingDone.com <laughs> You an older dude looking to race some races, maybe looking to do some longer motos? OregonOldTimers.com is coming out with a new 2021 schedule. We will have that up on the new shows in January, so check them out. OregonOldTimers.com. Any questions about going to the Old Timers Association, hit me up, Chris, at KeeferInkTesting.com, and I'll help you out. See you guys at the races next year. Hey, Kiefer, what oil should I run? What weight should I run? Lots of emails coming in about oil. You know what I choose? Bloodlubricants.com, 1040 Pro Series Synthetic Oil. If you guys haven't run Blood Lubricants Synthetics, you should try it. Email Jeff over there at Blood Lubricants, info at bloodlubricants.com. Mention the code Kiefer, get 25% off a case of oil. I run the 1040 Pro Series in all of my test bikes here. It works great. Keeps the engine cooler as well. Clutch life is enhanced and longer. I go through clutches on that Yamaha YZ450F every 10 hours. Now I can go 15 hours. So great oil. Email Jeff over there. Use the code. Save yourself some money. Email me, Chris, at KeeferInkTesting.com. If you have any questions about the oil, I'm happy to help. You got a new bike? Hell, you got an old bike? Go to ride-engineering.com. You can use the code KT25 to get 25% off. If you're looking for anything chassis-related, clamps, bar mounts, axle blocks, whatever it is, they even got calipers, brakes. They do it all over there at ride-engineering.com. So go check them out. Use the code. Save yourself some money. If you have any questions, you guys know the email. Visit them ride-engineering.com hey did you crash or maybe you're just looking for a different handlebar bend go to protaper.com and go look at the evo and fusion line handlebars i run the fusion on the ktm 450 and i run the evo on the yz 450f doesn't matter what you are you like crossbars you don't want a crossbar protaper has it they got grips dude they got some nice soft grips i'm a half waffle soft guy Greatest grips ever. Go check them out. The race cut grips. Come on. I am an SX Race Evo and Fusion guy. So go check them out. Protaper.com. And if you guys are wondering about handlebar dimensions, go to KeeferInkTesting.com. There's a complete article on which handlebar dimension is best for your bike. Go search around. It's a fun article. Kiefer Ink Testing. It's a great place to do it. You know what else is? Protaper. Protaper.com. Maybe you're at home or in the car and you listen to the Kiefer Tested Podcast. Maybe you already own a home. Maybe you're looking to purchase. You know what? Rates are down, so maybe you should try refinancing now. I know Heather and I just did. You can pull cash out, debt consolidation, or maybe you just need some credit score advice. Deal with a professional that has been in the business for 25 years, dude. And this guy rides. He's a good dude. Zach Morris. No, not saved by the bell, Zach Morris. He's licensed in California, Nevada, and Colorado. You can call or text Zach at Plum Creek Funding, 720-212-4685. If you guys have any questions about Zach, hit me up, chris at keeferinktesting.com, or just simply text him yourself, 720-212-4685. Plum Creek Funding, Zach Morris, hit him up. You guys looking to buy a new bike? 2021s are out. Go to Power Motorsports. That's right, they're in Oregon. PowerMotorsports.com. If you guys want a deal on a Yamaha, ooh, or a Kawasaki, ah, or maybe 
Just maybe you want a KTM. They got them all there. They have Kiefer Inc. testing special discounts. Email me, chris at kieferinktesting.com, and I will get you in touch with David Sibley. That's right, David Sibley at Power Motorsports. He knows the drill. He knows Kiefer Inc. testing gives the best deals possible, and so do Power Motorsports. Hit him up, powermotorsports.com. All right, guys, we're back. Stay tuned. Part two is going to be epic. Thanks for listening. Yeah, speaking of Doug, Doug has always been one of my favorite people on earth. Doug has helped me out uh, with testing. He's always been a mentor, always been very nice to me when he even didn't have to or know me when I started with Yamaha and I was a contract guy testing at, you know, with Yamaha. He, he taught me a lot. And I don't even know if he, he knows that he taught me a lot. I just soaked a lot of these things in. And on top of all that, that I love Doug the most is because he's such a good dude. Nice guy. He'll talk to you. He jokes with you. He's just a normal guy and all the things that he's accomplished over the time of his racing career and his personal, you know, business side of it. He's a very smart business guy. He's, he's honest. He makes good products. Um, his family, you know, is, are awesome. Uh, so to, uh, to see Doug there riding with us within this world cup, you know, race, it was, uh, me, Doug, and then Sean Lepanovich. And how they worked this was uh, the first gate was a 30, the 30 uh, riders, 40 riders, the second gate, 50 riders on the third gate, and they combined all the scores just like the Des Nations did back in the day. And then you become, you know, you know, the country becomes the winner after a combined of all these scores. So there was one moto each day on Saturday and Sunday. So between my 40 moto one and my 40 moto two, I had this world cup race and, uh, when you have the doctor on the 50 year old line, the third line, I was the second watching you start. You had to make damn sure your technique was good. Cause you remember how good Doug was starting back in the day, right? Doug's always had great starts. So, uh, sharing all this stuff, having Doug with me was a, a very cool, surreal feeling for me. And, uh, to, to look back on what Doug has accomplished after his professional racing career is pretty amazing. Several, several vet titles. He went to Canada, you know, won races up in Canada. And vintage races, like the guy has been around for years and still racing. He's walking around with a walking boot and then he gets dressed to go race and then wins the 50 class in this World Cup, you know, challenge. It's just crazy because he's... 60 years old, I think. And then he rides the plus 50, 125 class and beats Kurt Nickel and, and all these guys. So it's just, it's awesome to see older dudes like Doug still loving to ride and race his dirt bike. Maybe not the level or the, the drive that he once had when he was in his 30s and 40s, but, I mean, he's won in the same weekend the 30 and 40 titles twice. To think like, okay, I know how much effort it took me to race 40 and win and to go back and race the 30 pro class on Sunday and try to beat Michael Essie, you know, Lepanovich, Potter, all these guys that are fast as shit. And to do all that and put that together is very, very difficult. So he's done that twice. And I think he's done the 40 and 50 a couple times. It's just really cool and amazing to see how much stuff has happened after his supercross career and, uh, having a guy around that still around the track to talk to people, give the knowledge that he has. I, I just love it. That's something that I tried to uh, implement in my life. Like, I like to help people. I want to be around when I'm older and ride and and do these do these things when I'm older and share with my family. So uh, we did this World Cup rent, uh, event. Uh, Sean won his class. I won mine and Doug won his. And then the next day on Sunday, I came back and we did that and we won. So Team Guam, world champions. But you know what was even better? Second place was Team Canada, the Noof. That's right. The Noof was on that team, and we beat Canada. Steve wasn't happy. Steve thinking about protesting me, doing these things. But uh, nonetheless, Canada can suck it. Steve can suck it. And Team Guam prevails. Team Guam prevails, Steven. That is what we like. <laughs> Lockhart did very good. I think he won the 30, 30 expert championship uh on sunday galdi didn't make it out so lockhart locked that down kong was not there 
Kong was not there, Galdi. So sad. But new prevailed. And uh, Dylan Wright did really, really good in the MXGPs in the last five MXGPs. But now, Canada, you can rejoice because now you have a world champion in the NUF from here. WUSA World Vet Championship, Ryan Lockhart. That's right. <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> uh, little things that I want to mention about this uh, weekend. Uh, the Mike Alessi incident. Some of you guys are uh, wanting to know the, my opinion on that. So I was there watching the 30 Pro Moto 1, watching Willard race, and Mike was in the lead. They combined the 30 Pro Moto, which was like 20-some riders, with uh, the 50 Pro 125cc class, which had maybe 20, 20 riders as well. So uh, when you have a 50-year-old guys, which are still, you know, it's a pro class, right? But you're still 50, and you're on... 125cc two-strokes versus 450cc four-strokes, these 30 pro riders are going to catch these other guys real quick. Well, Mike came around just after halfway, and uh, at Glen Helen, there's a stretch of the finish line straight away that has like three tabletops, and you're going pretty fast. You scrub them. You try to stay low. Well, from what I saw, and then I also diagnosed it with the video, the, the gentleman, and excuse me if I don't know his name, was uh, rolling the finish line tabletop and moved over just enough, but he was waving at someone or pointing at someone with one hand as he was rolling over the tabletop. And I can tell you this. I, I've been at Glen Helen long enough. That tabletop is somewhat blind. When you scrub it, you can't see much of the downside until you're up over the crest of the top of the jump. Well, Mike's coming in balls out, right, trying to stretch out his lead. And that gentleman decided to move over just enough to where he was in Mike's line, and Mike landed on his back. Uh, ugly, ugly crash. When I was watching this, I thought for sure both of these guys would be down not getting up because it was high speed. I know how hard packed that area is, and it is very, very nasty. Mike managed to crawl off the track. Uh, Glenn Helen allowed the race to go on for another lap or so, but then they red flagged it, which was the right thing to do. Uh, the gentleman didn't move for quite some time. I know Michael told me he came around, I think, one or two laps, and the guy was still in the same place on the track, both laps. So very scary moment. Uh, it was kind of a shit show after that of what they were going to do. Obviously, you're dealing with vet riders, right? And you're two laps past halfway of a 20-plus one lap motor, whatever it is. And uh, the the guy, from what I heard, couldn't feel his legs. And that was the big, you know, concern for all of us was like we lost, you know, one of our brothers to hopefully, uh, I'm sorry, we, we might have lost one of our brothers to paralyzation, which is almost all of ours uh, nightmare. We can talk about losing our life on a bike, but getting paralyzed on a motorcycle, I think outweighs that because then you're still here and you can't do shit. At least for me, that is my fear as well. So thinking of someone having that issue or something happened to him while you're there at the track is very eerie. No one at the track likes this situation. They don't want to hear about it. I'm the type of guy, like I stay away from those situations. I don't want to know, like, don't tell me about it until after I'm done. Um, the gentleman got loaded up in the ambulance from what I've heard uh, now that he can feel his legs and although maybe not out of the woods yet, still good news that he has regained feeling from his lower half. He could move his arms, um, but very, very scary moment uh, on both sides. I don't, th- well, I do know for a fact Mike didn't do that on purpose. Granted, for whatever you think Alessi was like back in the day, Mike is a very nice person. Mike has a good heart. He is not an evil man, as some of you guys may think. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say everything Mike does is uh, the right decision, and we'll talk about that here in a second, in my opinion on some things. But Mike isn't here to land on someone, fuck his race, hurt someone, fuck himself up. Like He's... he's <laughs> He's evolved over the years. He's not the same guy who stood on Tedesco's bike several years ago. He's not that guy, 
All right, so let's just paint that. Let's let's let everybody calm down. Let's let's as people, we need to figure out like, hey, some people grow up, some people don't. Mike has grown up, and we need to be aware of that. Okay, so after this happened, people say, oh, Mike's a fucking idiot. Like he's just landing, he's careless. Like oh, he he landed on me, doesn't even care. No, that's not the case. He doesn't want to do that. Um, the Glen Helen staff. It was kind of a shit show at the start. Hey, are we going to restart this thing? Originally, they were just going to restart the whole thing and have everybody do it over from from the gate drop. And the vets were like, fuck no, man. We're over halfway in this thing. We're not starting the whole race over. So they decided collectively to uh, restart, stagger this race, which to me, I think they should just, uh, if there was red flagged over halfway, you call the race. That's it. That's done. There should be some kind of rule book, but... For whatever reason, and you guys can debate this, I'm not going to, uh, they decided to have a staggered start and do the last four laps of this race. So Mike had enough time to fix his bike, which was fucked up, and he ended up winning. So you guys can debate that. I'm not going to sit here and debate that, if that was fair or not. Uh, My buddy Michael Willard got fifth. He was in third, so that restart fucked him up, and uh, he ended up getting fifth. Uh, Here's where I think... I would have done something differently if I was Michael Essie. Uh, again, like I said, good-hearted person. Got it, but sometimes I don't know if he's self-aware enough to know what he posts on social media. Like for me, I'm not the guy who's going to post the crash eight times on a story. Just not going to do it. Uh, I also, if I'm going to talk about my weekend, because Mike ended up winning the weekend and he deserves it. He's fast and and. But I just think I am not going to uh, talk about my win in the same caption or same post about talking about my wreck or the guy. Let's do two separate posts. If you're going to post the video, let's talk about the gentleman that you hit. Glad he's okay. Hope he's okay. Didn't mean to do this. Explain the the situation so people know. And then just put, man, very unfortunate incident, incident. Glenn Helen should not have these guys out there with us. We're, you know, 30 to 45 seconds faster than them a lap. That is, to me, is uh, not safe. I understand you guys want to have a good show and have a lot of riders on the track, but for safety reasons, they should not do that. Should just put 20, 50, 125 pros in a different race, period. Doesn't slow down the event that much. But if you're Mike Alessi, do one post just about that crash, explaining your side of it. Uh, hoping for the best for the gentleman, prayers, whatever that is, and then then leave that post the way it is. And then if you want to talk about your win, do a separate whole fucking post. Talk about that. I just don't combine the two together. So these are the things that I would just change if I was Mike. This is why I think some of you guys get fucking all upset and you start vital threads and all this shit about Mike. Mike is not an evil dude. He's a great dude. He's a nice guy. He's a great, great dude. I just don't think he thinks enough before he posts. That's it. On certain things. That's all. Uh, we all make mistakes. It's not a big deal. Um, he's a great dude. I just think I would have did, did it differently. So whatever you guys think out there, that's my take on the situation. You guys wanted to know about that. I don't think, well, I do. It's like I said, I know that it wasn't Mike's fault. It was just a bad situation, and it shit happens, and that happens. I mean, look at... Jason Anderson at the Disnations, you know, he rolled the jump and a guy fucking landed on him. Who was right? Who was wrong? You could blame both sides. Like, if I win the race, I'm getting the fuck away from the landing. I don't fuck with landings. If I'm on a landing of a jump rolling, I'm on the sides of the track. I I don't feel comfortable enough just to roll a landing even after the checkered flags. I don't know what's going on behind me. I don't know who's racing behind me. I don't know how close they are. Fuck that. I'm getting away from the landings. If you guys listening out there are rolling off the track, two things. Get the fuck away from the the race line landing. Like wherever people are landing, get away from it. Or get out of the landing period. And number two, when you get off the track, look behind you before you cross the fucking track. I can't believe how many people get off of the track and go across the track to get off the track. Look There's just some etiquette out there that you guys need to do to keep yourself and others safe. So get the fuck away from landings, period. That's it. That's all. That's all I got to say about that. So that was my take on the whole Michael Essie incident. 
Uh, let's little talk a little bit about, about the Yamaha YZ450F that I raced, why I chose it. Look, some of you guys say, why don't you race a different uh, brand or a different color of bike? I, on my time, on my own time, things that I want to accomplish or win, you know, Loretta's, Vet Nationals, uh, Amateur Nationals with Aiden, whatever, I ride what I feel like is the best bike for the track that I'm at. The Yamaha, period, is an exceptional bike at Glen Helen. There, it's not very dissed up. Like I said, it's choppy as shitty. It's high speeds. The Yamaha, that's catered for the Yamaha. It's stable, has great suspension, has a monster of a motor, and it's easy for me to ride. No, it doesn't corner the best. If if the World Vet Championships was at Paula, I would race a KTM 450 SXS. Why? Because it corners well. Uh, it has good RPM response. It's easy to ride. Things that I would do to the KTM would fit the Paula facility more. Uh, Glen Helen, you're always on the edges of your tires. You sweep. It's long. I'm on throttle on the edges of my tires, and the Yamaha is just planted that way. The KTM is less planted on the edge of its tires. Another option for me, if I wasn't in a race Yamaha, would be a Kawasaki KX450. I would do some things to that. The new SR edition Kawasaki is fucking great. I got a chance to ride that a little bit before it's at the dealers, which I think is coming this month. That's a great bike. I'm excited to get one and ride it, honestly. Uh, having KYB suspension on that Kawasaki makes uh, quite a bit of difference for being on the edges of your tires, especially at Glen Helen. But that is where the Yamaha shines. Straight line stability, edges of my tires. I have a great motor to get up the hills. It's stable down the hills. And just in stock form, that is what I choose at Glen Helen. That's the reason why I ride a Yamaha at Glen Helen because some of you guys are like, you fucking suck Yamaha's dick. That's all you ride is Yamaha's. I ride Yamaha's for things uh, on my own personal time because that's the bike I like the most. And I'm always honest with you guys. I like the Yamaha the best. Yamaha doesn't pay me. Yamaha doesn't do anything else, anything else that Kawasaki, Honda, or anybody else would. They would do the same thing for me. But I just feel like for me, the Yamaha is the best bike. So I had a Kropovich muffler. I had a Vortex ECU. I run Renegade SX4 fuel. And I had Enzo suspension. That's what I had. Uh, we're sponsored here by Racetech, but just like I tell the guys at Racetech, you know, I've had more time testing with Enzo, so I have some good specs. I'm sure Racetech could get me as comfortable at Glen Helen, but I just haven't had enough time to test with them. So if Racetech spent some more time with me at Glen Helen on my own personal stuff, I would run that. But Yoshi, Ross, and the guys, they've had my back for several years on the Yamaha brand, so I know what I'm getting. Uh, I had a special shock that comes from KYB because I do some some stuff for them. Um, but... Even Travis in stock form went back to his stock 22 setup, and I asked him after the second moto, was your stock bike better? He's like, dude, day and night better. The first moto bike that he ran was a built motor, was an old race motor, had some test suspension on it uh, from KYB, and he was just, it's too much bike. It's too much bike for him to handle. It was a little bit stiffer. The stock K uh, KYB and the stock Yamaha was better for him at Travis, and you guys know how fast Travis is, so... That tells you something about the motorcycle. I like when manufacturers have great test riders, and there are some out there. It's really cool to see. Like, Travis is a great test guy, and uh, he works hard at it, and it shows in the bike. For me, uh, I just feel comfortable in that, and that's the reasons why I rode the Yamaha, and that's basically all I did to my bike. To explain the Vortex ECU on a, on a Yamaha, do you need it because it has the Yamaha power tuner? No, you don't need it, but I feel like I needed to detune this bike a little bit because it, even with the Yamaha Power Tuner, I can't get the rear wheel to have connection to my throttle hand as much as I can with the Vortex. There's so much of a wider parameter with the Vortex that I can get that with. Chad at XPR has, has an excellent Glen Helen map that I use. Jamie has other maps that I've tried that I like as well. I just so happen to have a lot of testing time with Chad. So I made a Loretta map that if you guys are wondering if you guys have have soft dirt at your local track and you ride a Yamaha, or if it's harder pack, I made a World Vet map with Chad uh, for harder pack on your YZ450F. So 
There are some advantages going to a Vortex ECU. It's it's kind of expensive at $1,000, but for me, it does a lot to this bike. And it's mostly in the realm of getting connection and mellowing it out versus getting more power. Yes, it has more power than mid-range to top in, and it has better over-rev, but that low-end feel is so smooth and easy to ride. If you guys were at Glen Helen and watched me race, you probably could see that, how how I roll my corners and how easy it is for me to do that because there's a lot of connection there. And that is directly because of two things, that Vortex ECU and the Akrapovich muffler. The Akrapovich muffler actually gives you less RPM response uh, if you were running a stock ECU, but gives you more connection. Now, when you combine the Akrapovich muffler with a Vortex, I don't lose that RPM response, but I'm still gaining that rear wheel connection. And then how broad the two are together, it's... It's, it's really a great bike, man. Like, I worked hard on getting that set up, and every time I ride that thing, I'm like, fuck, this thing is a good bike. So, uh, yeah, Akrapovich. I ended up paying for my mufflers. I don't get Akrapovich shit for free. FMF has made me a muffler that's pretty good. Pro Circuit Mitch has made me a muffler that's pretty good. I tried the production of Akrapovich, and I just like it better for how I ride. So I went out and bought two, and it's fucking expensive. It was like 2500 bucks. Uh, a system for an Akrapovich is like, I think, $1,400, $1,300, but it's well-made. The muffler packing lasts. The stickers don't last that long on that thing. They burn off, which pisses me off because it looks like dog shit after the stickers burn off. But nonetheless, the performance of that muffler is awesome. So that was my setup. That's the reason why I use the the YZ450F on my own time. I honestly do look forward to getting that SR edition and riding that Kawasaki because I feel like I'm going to like that bike a lot because it actually helps with that KYB setting. It actually helps the cornering of that KX. And that was one of the things I didn't like about the Kawasaki was because I feel like I'm towing a fucking trailer when I'm going to corners. And I just don't like that. So uh, this KYB makes it turn a little bit better on lean angle, feels a little bit lighter. And, uh, man, I'm looking forward to riding that thing here in December. Uh, race lines at Glen Helen. You guys are asking me, some of you guys ask me, how the fuck do I find my way around Glen Helen when it's choppy everywhere? For me, there's some sections of Glen Helen that you just got to suck up and you got to ride through the shit. But if you learn to ride the edges of Glen Helen um, early, and then what happens is, and I learned this from Brownie, uh, especially coming downhill, is you always want to angle yourself coming down the hill so you don't hit the bump straight on. When you hit a bump straight on, it's going to impact you more. If you hit the bump at a little bit of an angle, it doesn't affect your chassis or uh, that harshness as much. So I'm always working my way left to right or right to left at Glen Helen. I'm never straight at Glen Helen. I'm never just riding somewhere straight. Like Even though I'm down a straightaway, I'm moving to the left or moving to the right. I'm never just pointing out of a corner going straight. So Next time you're at Glen Helen, try that. Wait till it gets rough and learn how to use your left to rights, your right to lefts, and angle Glen Helen. That's the way to get around Glen Helen. And learning from Doug, learning from Brownie, all these all these years, I just picked it up, and for me, it has worked really well. And of course, setup. You got to have a bike that's set up for it. I ran Dunlop MX3S front tire and an MX33 rear. Uh, I ran 14 psi on the third. On the 30, uh, sorry, I ran 14 PSI on the 3SF on the front, and then I ran 12.5 in the rear, but I also use heavy-duty tubes at Glen Helen because it gets square edge. So that is something you must do at Glen Helen as well. Um, but Dunlop makes a good tire that I like at Glen Helen. Pirellis are also very good, but the carcass wears out really quick at Glen Helen because it's hard pack. Uh, so your Pirellis might work for, I mean, straight up, might work for one day, and then that carcass will break down. Uh, always look for your sidewall nylon on the sidewall of the Pirelli. Uh, once you start seeing that white nylon on the sidewall, that means uh, it's time to change that Pirelli because the carcass is just wearing down. Uh, so this don't last long. It's a, it's a specifically race tire. It's great. They just don't last long. Uh, a thing that I want to talk about, too, is the people helping other people here at, at the Vet Nationals. I saw a tons of guys helping other guys. Uh, I know Aiden and I helped the guy bump start his bike on the line. Um, it's just cool to see the camaraderie with all these dudes that we're all just here. We're vet guys. That's what's cool about vet racing, man. Like, I wish 
other motocross people when they're younger can help other people out as much. Just because there's championships and maybe some money on the line, that doesn't mean you can't act human and help other people. <laughs> it's fucking amazing to see at the Vet Nationals how open and talkative and helpful everyone is. Everyone's just stoked to be there and riding. It reminds me of off-road racing. Off-road racing is a lot like that to me. And when you get to the amateur national level and, you know, Ponca, Loretta's and world uh, mini O's and all these things, like you don't see it as much. But uh, hopefully that changes over time because, man, we all love this sport and we're all doing it for the same reason because we just love dirt bikes. Granted, if you want to win and get a fucking ride and money and all this stuff, we just love to ride dirt bikes. That's why we do this. And this whole event reminds me of that. So, yeah, it's just it's just cool to see. Uh, so yeah, that's basically breaking down the world vet weekend. If you have any questions about the world vet or maybe coming back next year, Chris at Kiefer testing.com. That is the email. I met a lot of you guys last weekend. You came up to me and thanked me and I thank you guys for doing that. That shows me that you like this stuff and it means something to you. And, uh, I appreciate you guys listening and trusting in what I say. And, and let me just say this, when you guys say thank you and I believe in what you say. That means more to me than anything. You can ask my family. Like, I take that shit seriously because uh, I know you guys are purchasing and using your money on things that I'm telling you guys to get. And I don't take that lightly. I will never, I never will. And I know that um, for the reasons why I started this business is because of you guys. I want to direct your money to the right in the right ways to get you the happiest so you guys don't have to dick with this stuff. You guys can just enjoy riding and uh, enjoy the experience because you guys work all week, and the last thing you want to do is fuck with your bike uh, at the track. Some of you guys do, and you like that. I'm a little bit like that. I like to tinker and do things, but most of you guys out there don't want to do that. They just want to enjoy the experience. So uh, appreciate you guys coming up to me. As always, if you guys do see me, come up talk to me. I'm happy to talk to you guys. Um, I'm not as angry as Steve. I actually enjoy being around people. And uh, I like to hear from you guys and what I do good and what I don't do good. I like both sides. I am I have thick skin, so you're not going to piss me off um, unless you're a, you're a cocksucker. And then <laughs> they might piss me off. But uh, if you guys are real and you come at me with some um, constructive criticism, I'm willing to listen. I've done a lot of things on my website and this show uh, – and I've changed those things because of you guys. You guys have come at me and said I need to do some things, and I have done those things. So um, I appreciate you guys being honest with me just like I am with you, and it, it really helps us out together to make this show better, to give you better information, and just to make you guys uh, a happier motocross or off-road racer. So uh, thank you guys. As always, support these advertisers that support this show. They help this out, and uh, they do great work. They wouldn't be on this show if they didn't. Um, all of these advertisers that I have on here are people and companies that I would spend my money on um, in a heartbeat. That's the only reasons why they're on this thing. So um, thank you guys for supporting those, and we'll be back next week. We have some Kawasaki KX250 information to get out to you. Uh, we're going to do another little head-to-head -head battle between two-stroke versus four-stroke. We're going to boil that down, which I think is going to be interesting because – I have found a little bit of a new love for the YZ252 stroke. And, and then we're going to do a little comparison, 450 versus 250, and hone in on lap times, uh, how comfortable you are. And we're going to get different types of riders and sizes and abilities and see which one is best for who. Because uh, I think there's still a viable market out there for two strokes. And I get a lot of emails saying, which one should I buy? So that's one of the reasons why we're going to do that over on racerxonline.com. All right, guys, thanks for joining me. Great show. You know what? Suck it, Travis. World champ, 40 pro champ. That's right. Drink it in. It always goes down smooth, TP. See you next week.